And welcome back to another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum, the horror podcast of the Ruminations Radio Network. I am your host. I am the FBI. I did it. Point did it. break starting reference. off early. I did it. Point um, break reference. I love it. Who am I? I'm, I'm Brendan. I'm Mr. Fantastic. Uh, and with us, as always... He's spooky. He's scary. He haunts the canals of your ears. I like that. He's the Phantom Man, the Phantom Menace, the Phantom Menace, the Krispy Kramer. I got it. Got it right. Finally, it's Ian. Krispy Kramer isn't the right one. (sighs) I like that one more. I like that one more better. I'll tell you what. And I reckon this is about uh, yeah, how I'm going to talk. We should cast. do the whole cast like oh, that. We should have done like a Western, a Western theme. theme. Yeah. Oh my golly, Jenkins! Still not too late. Still you what? <laughs> Let's see how long you can keep the bit going. All right. Talk about Godzilla in that voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, fucking Mothra killed that fucking. <laughs> uh, are you going to answer my question? How are you doing today? I'm doing fine <laughs> and dandy, Brandon. Question. I'm not, I'm not going to break character, I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay. And also with us is one of the most charismatic men that I know. He writes with the number two pencil. He's number one in all of our heart. He's the slick black Cadillac. It's Kyle with a K. How you doing, Kyle? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Brennan? It's been a weird week. It's been a it's been a strange week. I'll, I'll tell you that much. So I'm glad to be here talking with you guys, completely remembering that I was hosting this show. <laughs> yeah, how does it feel to like be thrusted into the hosting chair like without any like prior like preparation? Uh I feel like it's it's very indicative of the the past few days of my life so i think it it's a positive source of chaos and mm. i'm uh i'm ready for it uh okay. kind of, <laughs> well, i'll uh, try to start. alleviate as much of the hosting as i can <laughs> no, for no. you okay. um, um so uh you, kyle you said you you don't have a well oh, ian what do you feel like samantha right now samantha b yeah full frontal sure <laughs> <laughs> oh samantha in the movie in the movie <laughs> yes yeah i i feel that i am uh, caged in a racist depiction of a Native American uh, cave. Uh, Kyle, you don't have a weekly rec, wow. but you did have a, a question that you wanted to bring up. Yeah, but uh, before I get into that, um, my heart was a little broken because my mom's going through um, a zombie renaissance and uh, she's discovering all these properties that have been around for a while now like walking dead and stuff and to her they're all new so she's like she's kind of like ian when he discovers something new that everybody knows about but because he discovered it like he owns it at that point and like he's like the pioneer of whatever he finds new hell yeah my mom's going through the same thing so she's like oh the walking dead it's so good have you ever you find every fucking heard of it right (laughs) and i'm like okay calm the fuck down so she asked for some wrecks i gave her I'm like, dude, if we're going to start this journey, you got to start from the beginning. So let's go ahead. Let's dial back the clock. Let's put on Night of the Living Dead, George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. 
I recommended it to her. She's like, all right, I'm going to start it tonight. She called me about 30 minutes in the movie. She's like, this movie fucking. <laughs> She's like, it's so old. She's like, I'm like, mom, you're old. Like, like this was your time. This was like a little, like this was your time. Like you were alive when this movie came out. And she's just, she can't get behind it. She wants the blood. She wants the gore. She wants the Snyder Dawn of the Dead. She likes the the ripping of the faces and the. She's like the, the she's like the person chasing her in the beginning just looks like an old man chasing her. It doesn't even look like a zombie. I'm like, mom, you gotta get in the '60s headspace. You know, you gotta you gotta put yourself in their shoes. She's like, I was and she's there. like, she's like, son, go fuck yourself. And I was like, okay, fair enough. So we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial her up a couple decades. Maybe start her off with like uh, Day of the Dead. We'll start with '80s. It gets a little, it gets a little bit more gruesome then, but um. I don't know if she'll like Sir, the whole military in the rainbow thing, might be a nice a nice one to throw in there. Yeah, definitely. I think she I've never seen it, but just that's the vibe. I think that she would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she needs to go maybe 90s or after, honestly. But uh, so I don't know if you remember, but a little while ago I was talking about um, feeling the movie resurgence kind of mm-hmm. boiling up inside me. It never happened. It never came. And I'm starting to wonder if it ever will. You know what I mean? Yeah. And. I took a step back, as one does, to evaluate their emotions and um, try to get some understanding on on the feelings that you know one has. And I think I've come to the conclusion that in my age of thirty five years old, I've became mentally and physically exhausted by the whole franchise culture that everything has turned into. Um. We're on like Mission Impossible 8, John Wick 5, Marvel 32, uh, fucking Star Wars 15. I'm just, I'm tired of having to always watch something before watching something, if that makes sense. I'm like sick and tired of it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it. And it's bled into everything. I think that Marvel, Marvel was great for a long time until it wasn't, right? Marvel ruined the movie industry in a lot of ways in my opinion and i feel like ian i heard a snicker from your side how you feeling about that comment um it's not incorrect i feel like marvel ruined the movie franchise in a lot of ways the same way that fortnite ruined the video game industry in a lot of ways it did a lot of like cool things but then now everything has to have a fucking season pass and everything has Mm -hmm. to have a fucking battle pass and rainbow six like rainbow six is an example where the game used to be gritty and realistic and tom clancy and now you can put fucking unicorn helmets on and put fucking rainbow skins on your weapons and it's like you're you're, you're cutting out for a little oh my point is (laughs) (laughs) is that i don't know like i think i'm just tired i'm just tired talk to me guys thoughts so uh, i actually i have an example of this that i can kind of i think relate to you i watched uh it was a swedish horror film uh the other day called the innocence and you know, again, this this isn't a different capacity, but just one-off properties nowadays make me feel so much better mm-hmm. about a product. Like I love my screams. I love I love my my insidious eyes, insidiouses. <laughs> I like um, that. 
<laughs> I, I love the Conjuring universe, but I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's too much. I just, sometimes I just want to watch a compelling story with a clear beginning. You can give me an ambiguous end, but you're giving me an end. Once those credits roll, I know I'm not getting anything else from what you just gave me, and that's fine. Everything is made with the idea of turning into a franchise. Even the sub-characters now, like the Nun, the Nun 2, um, it's just so... We're on uh, fucking Transformers and fucking... I just can't... I can't do it anymore. I think DC... I And I'm very excited for what DC is probably going to do, but I know they're going to follow the, the Marvel formula. And I really liked... See, a lot of people had problems with the DC that they weren't following the Marvel formula, whereas I actually like that. They're telling one-off stories like Batman, Joker, things like that. I, they put all their heart into one fucking thing, and, and it turns out great. But when you start to make all these equalizations, all these continuity things, that's when it starts to fucking crumble. And I just want, I just want things to go back to the way they were before Marvel. I think the um, argument for the DC being shit compared to what Marvel was doing at the time was pretty understandable. Because Marvel, in 2008, or whenever uh, Iron Man came out, up until like Infinity War, that was an insane, perfect time for to be like a, a comic book fan, a superhero fan. Like it was oh, amazing. It was the best time in the world. Yeah, and DC was having so much trouble trying to to catch up with Marvel. They were just doing the wrong moves. They were making such bad decisions, and it just wasn't even comparable. So um, for that, that's where they get their their criticism. I mean, they do have some bangers in there: Watchmen, Constantine. Uh, but those were also around the time when Marvel was doing their one-off stuff like Blade and uh, uh, and DC's Daredevil. One-off stuff was actually better. Yeah, it was better. Than Marvel stuff at the time. Yeah. So. But then the switch happened and everyone jumped on the Marvel train. But now it's gotten to a point where most people are just not looking forward to the new the new superhero movies anymore because Marvel has gone too far and ruined it with their, uh, you have to watch the, the TV shows now. Like you have to get Disney plus to watch the TV, the TV shows to get what the movies are talking about. So it's like, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, even fun anymore, it's not, it's not watching movies to me is not fun anymore. (laughs) And I think it's a combination of that. It's a combination of me being around long enough, that I've kind of already seen things just get done and over and over and over and over again. What's, and I don't know, man, like the new mission impossible looks awesome. Even though I'm like super excited at the, like the idea of a new mission impossible, the thought of having to watch four fucking movies just to watch that movie. I'm just like, it's, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired. But yeah, that's that's all I had to say. So as it stands right now, um, I was hoping that, like even, okay, just one last thing. Like even like The Flash, I was hoping that would kind of reignite. 
But I was like, even taking a property I love so much, <laughs> following this formula that everybody's doing, like even a property I love so much can't survive the mediocrity that has taken over. And it's just, it put me back, the flash put me back into a film hibernation. Whereas it was supposed to lift me up out of it, but so yeah, the, the, the flash, it, it just made every single wrong move you can make like down to it's, it's casting. Like it, it was just, it was going to fail either way. Ian, I think it's uh, finally time to uh, load up the shotgun and take old yeller out back. That's me, cat. Uh, 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 audience. I'm I'm old dealer. Uh, uh, oh, mice but, and men him. Just, do it. just fucking do it, man. Uh, that was a, a very interesting conversation that you brought up, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's a conversation that that needs to be had. At at what point will we stop giving characters who have one scene in a two and a half hour long movie an entire forty five minute eight episode series? Yeah, like, it's, it's, and I do want to say one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had in my life was the end of Infinity War. No one said a single fucking word and just left. Like everyone just left in silence and sadness. It was that was that was the end of Marvel. I'm goosebumps right now. Yeah, that was the end of Marvel for me. Like that's where my Marvel ended. Yeah, yeah. Ian. You got a wreck for us? No. <laughs> I'm going to say something after that conversation. Uh, I watched Sound of Madness, I guess, or Sound of uh, Metal. Mm, yeah, no, good. I want to hear about that. Um, it was good. Characters, good. I was just going to say, uh, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the film really had me, really, really had me um, up into the last 20 minutes. And then I thought it was going to be like a mega, mega gut punch. And I was waiting for it, and it just never happened. And I was pretty upset about that. But um, it, did, it did make me uh, think a lot about um, some personal things. And um, yeah. I love that. I so, love movies that make you do that. Yeah. So I had to give it a, like an A. It's, it's easily an A film, for sure. But um, the acting is really great, and the <clears throat> message. The guys, the guys, actually deaf, right? In no. real life, no. Oh, I don't, 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 don't tell me. I, I'm really curious to see that film, so I don't no. want to know anything about it. Yeah, no, like he, as far as he's like, in other stuff, like plot stuff, a bunch of other stuff. Oh, you, oh, you meant in real life? Is he deaf? Yes. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, he's in Nightcrawler, Venom. Jason Bourne, Rogue One. Yeah, he's he's in a bunch. Oh, of yeah, no, you know, Kyle. I wasn't trying to be like spoiler alert. He can. Yeah, hear I thought the it was like run. a plot twist. Like he's not deaf the whole time or something. I was like, no, don't tell me, <laughs> don't tell me. Uh, well, if you watch, if you watch the prequel, you'll get it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just watch the Disney Plus series, and you'll understand. Oh God, um, my my wreck is uh, uh, it's one for the ages. I finally finished twin peaks the return and i have so many feelings uh, there, there's a song that i've recently become obsessed with uh kyle i sent it to dom i don't know if she played it for you it's called a uh, ptolemaia by ethel kane who has a song on the barbie album or the on the new barbie soundtrack so i'm excited for that and it's this very ethereal song 
about a, uh, a, I think it's about sexual abuse or domestic abuse, the song, but it it's very ethereal. And then halfway through, she just keeps repeating the word stop over and over again. And at the end of the break, that breakdown, she screams stop and the guitars kick in and the drums kick in. And it gives me such Twin Peaks vibes. Like it's something that Laura Palmer would listen to while walking through the woods on a Walkman, screaming her her head off. Um, but that ending of Twin Peaks was possibly the most cathartic ending I think I've ever seen for a TV show. It kind of reminded me of how The Sopranos cut out mid uh, "Don't Stop Believing," and it pissed everyone off. I feel like the ending of Twin Peaks: The Return could easily piss a lot of fans off. But if you really like David Lynch, I think it is the perfect, the, out of all the films I've seen of his, I think it is the most Lynchian ending that he's ever created. Um, the, the moment three episodes out, and I don't fucking care if I'm spoiling it, I don't fucking care because I need to talk about it. When Coop finally wakes up in the hospital, and uh, Bushnell says to him, but what about the FBI? And he just looks at him and says, I am the FBI and walks out. I fucking screamed. He's back. That is it. And also the, the dude with the, the I, I forget the Irish guy's name, Peter, maybe the dude with the glove uh, that works with uh, James Hurley. That is such like the most random character to introduce with two episodes left. And then to have that character be such an integral plot point to the climax of the story is fucking genius. It is so no one else could pull that off except except David Lynch. Um, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I'm I'm I wish I didn't wait this long to watch it, but I'm glad I have finally finished it. Yeah, Twin Peaks The Return is amazing. It's my favorite season of the three. Um, obviously, the first two seasons are nostalgic for most people, and they're amazing. But The Return, I just vibed with and watched it at like the perfect time in my life. I watched it um, during a time where I was like pretty, pretty depressed. And I, w I felt alone and isolated and uh, I was in a really bad spot in my life. And it vibed with me so hard when I watched it that, um, I don't know, it just, it, it, it really just, it stuck with me. It's, it still sticks with me. And I think that the ending is perfect, like mm -hmm. literally perfect to me. And... I love what they did. I love how the return heightens the importance of Fire Walk with me. And I need to, I need um, to go back and rewatch that for for context cuz I I've, I've heard a few people say that that scene where Coop goes back to the moment that she gets off his bike in Fire Walk with me and it's like it's just it's I almost fucking, cried. It's, I almost dude, it's cried perfect. It's actually perfect. So, yeah, no. Um I'm glad you finished it. You're now a part of the Bookhouse Boys Club. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just, I, I, I'm just glad you enjoyed it. I want to get a Twin Peaks tattoo. Dude, Mitch and I went and got one together at the same time. Um, when we hang out in person, we should go get one.
Fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, but Ian, welcome back. Uh, you can listen in again. Okay. Uh, but uh, we're not here to have discussions about franchises because this isn't a franchise movie, and we're not here to talk about uh mute drummers or Agent Dale Cooper. He he's a mute. Oh no, he's only deaf. He can talk. Yeah, he can talk. Okay. Uh, but today Spoilers. we. Oh, is that a spoiler? <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about the 2014 film Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, boy! Sorry, that's the last time I'll do that. Sorry, yeah. Mitch. Sorry, Mitch. I didn't mean to scream in your ear right now. Arthur Morgan. And uh, can we note that Ian has already lost his um, accent? Yeah, he he gave up. But I am. Um, I did. Uh, it came back to me. I'm celebrating this episode with my uh, my cowboy cup. So uh, I'm feeling the cowboy spirit right now. So uh, I'm I'm also somewhat celebrating. I took uh, uh, two spoonfuls of uh, tincture of opium. So oh, yeah. <laughs> he just falls on his mic. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, I think before we jump into it, let's get into some fear facts. In what could possibly be described as our most politically charged film covered to date, we are here to talk about Bone Tomahawk, written and directed by S. Craig Zoller. Hailed by the right as a true mega filmmaker, Zoller pushes the boundaries of the silence of apoliticalness. This, this star-studded 2014 Western horror film, Tom Hawk, quickly put the author and musician-turned-filmmaker on the map for many audiences worldwide. Nominated for 17 awards and winner of five, including the A. Fangoria uh, Golden Chainsaw Award and earning Best Director from the Sitges Film Festival, Bone Tomahawk quickly put Zoller's career in a whole new direction. Now, Bone Tomahawk has rightly received harsh criticism for its overt racism, extreme violence, and most importantly, uh, Zoller's continued work with Dallas Saunier. Saunier um, also received criticism for sweeping multiple corroborated claims of sexual abuse uh, from his production company, Cinestate, under the rug. And in 2022, he would go on to be one of the heads of entertainment for the very far-right-leaning news outlet, uh, the Daily Beast. Uh, it's things like this that make it hard to believe Zoller's apolitical stance. But Bone Tomahawk, Bone Tomahawk is an adaption, somewhat an adaption, of Zoller's extreme horror novel, Wraiths of a Broken Land, which is absolutely incredible and it's very hard to read and I highly recommend it. Uh, filming would take place over 21 days in California with a red dragon camera, beautiful camera, and a budget of $1.8 million dollars. While it would only bring in 500k theatrically through its limited release, it would go on to make an astounding 4.5 million dollars in home sales, which I think that's kind of the perfect way for this movie to go out. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into our discussion of Bone Tomahawk. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Uh, so Kyle, since you hadn't seen this before, I think we'll uh, we'll start with you. Uh, first thoughts: Where'd you watch it? Would you add it to your collection? All that fun stuff. I have it in my collection. I watched it on my Blu-ray that I purchased. Um, I'm a big fan of westerns, and going into this film, I wasn't 
um, I didn't have a lot of knowledge on the cast. I just knew Kurt Russell was in it. But this cast is phenomenal. And I was pleasantly surprised seeing all the faces like Richard Jenkins, Matthew Fox, shout out to Racer X from Speed Racer. Uh, Patrick Wilson had no idea he was in it either. Um, David Arquette was a surprise. Yeah. Sid Haig was a surprise. Even though they were just like small parts, I still thought that was a, a pleasant surprise to open with those two. That was pretty epic, actually. Um, so yeah, I was very, very excited. Then my second um, kind of... Uh, cautiously optimistic mindset going into this film is a lot of westerns after like 2005 um they typically are set in one location with low budgets so i was worried that this was going to kind of just be set in the rural town in the beginning and kind of just play off that because westerns after 2000s they with like I said, with low budgets, they they don't really expand past like the sets that they build on a lot or whatever because they usually just build everything for the film. But I was pleasantly surprised. It turned into like a cross-country kind of film. Um, a ragtag gang of uh, cowboys off to get revenge and their people back. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, it does have like a Descent vibe going for it in the sense that like you think it's one movie until it's not kind of kind of film and i like that uh like i like the shock value and the transition of like the tone of the movie even though it 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 does show some pretty violent stuff in the beginning it still doesn't kind of transition to that like real horror stuff until like midway to like a little bit halfway through Mm -hmm. i i thoroughly enjoyed the film though and um i think it was a little too long i would have probably cut out I can get into specifics what I would have cut out later, but okay, all right. I um, I did enjoy the film, and uh, yeah, I I have it in my collection. Ian, I will add this to my collection one hundred percent. I was never really a fan of westerns growing up. Um, I just thought the aesthetically they looked very bland and boring, and a lot of them were. But um, come. COVID-19, you know, uh, changed everything for me. I sat down with my dad and we watched um, a lot of Clint Eastwood movies. We watched a lot of Westerns and um, it was cool. I, I liked them. I liked them quite a bit. And um, I watched this pre-COVID. So I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I thought, I just thought it was a little boring. But today, this morning when I watched it, I was fully invested um, really like the acting, really like the, um, I, I like the setting contradicting to what I said before. I liked this setting. It reminds me of where I used to like a mile of where I, I used to live in the freaking boonies in the middle of nowhere. Um, Which like state? this, uh, Arizona. Oh, like this was, this was, it feels like it was shot a mile from my house. Um, and I was like, man, that's this is pretty cool. But um, then it made me think in the shower, as I, you know, as I do normally, I think a lot in the shower. I was like, man, if I watch this movie, if, if I had this movie when I was a kid, like going around my property and like I used to and being like 30 feet from a freaking bobcat and like poking out rattlesnakes. Like if I had the, the mindset of, oh, these like cannibalistic creature people. Maybe things. let's not call them creatures. I mean, I, I think we're towing a fine line there. They're, they're villains, right? 
Well, they, okay, they're, they're technically villains, villains but they're yeah. not creatures. Okay. They're Native Americans. Okay. But if I had that thought in my head, I would have been a lot more afraid of, you know, going out and playing outside. What about you, Brendan? Brendan. <laughs> uh, I've maybe as critical as I was in my fear facts about S. Craig Zoller, I've seen every single one of his films at least 10 times. Uh, even he wrote Puppet Master, Littlest Reich. I've seen that a handful of times. I, I think he's a very competent director, even if I disagree with how he handles certain certain topics. Uh, I think that I, I'm able to uh, uh, what's di- disconnect separate the, the art from the artist. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think this movie is fantastic. I do think that it's somewhat problematic, but the story is. Um, I, I do think that the story is fairly compelling. Uh, when I first I read Wraiths of a Broken Land before I had known that this was a movie and I was kind of thinking this would make a gnarly movie. Uh, so I'm glad that he did. Uh, the cast, Kyle, like you said, the cast is absolutely bonkers. I, I love Matthew Fox. Uh, I, I loved lost. So to see him in this and to hear him say that he'd always wanted to make a Western movie. So getting to be in this was one of the highlights of his career. I think you can totally see that. I think he has the greatest performance in this movie. You cut out who, who were you talking to? Uh, Matthew Fox. About, sorry. Matthew Fox, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a really good movie. I'm kind of on the fence of Westerns. I, I'll watch them. I like them. I don't seek them out. And I, I like the blending because i would say 80 percent of this movie isn't horror at all Mm -hmm. uh so i think that to be able to make something that's a minority in your film have an overarching feeling throughout the whole thing is very impressive especially for your first film Uh, i think that's a difficult thing to pull off uh so let's kind of get into it i do want to say before we tiptoe around the subject like, these are not how typical Native Americans are. Like, these are fictional no. characters. Tribes do exist in, in our world that are, like, cannibalistic and, and crazy. But they're, mm. these are not, like, American tribes. We're not, like, shitting on these guys. So, Oh, well, yeah, there, no. And, there were tribes in America like this, though. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, they were, they're, they're some pretty brutal shit. And I, I, I think that kind of... So actually, let's go to this topic first and kind of about how there could be a possible danger to films like this because we see uh, one Native American that's good, the guy that that works with the town, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, Matthew Fox is being very racist to him the entire time. And the only other depictions of Native Americans that we get are these absolutely abhorrent people that are kidnapping and eating uh, people. But then we get this, this band of valiant white people that go in and, and slaughter them one by one. Just obviously it's to get their, their people back, but it's, I, I find it very, I think he could have put more 
positive Native American influence inside the film without without it without it seeming ham fisted too over the top. I didn't think it was over the top. Um, when we talk about World War II movies, I mean, we don't like bring up the fact that Nazis are German, but not all Germans are Nazis. It's just common. Native knowledge. Americans weren't Nazis. Exactly. Only this tribe was. Not not Nazis, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. I think this is just one 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 depiction, right? This is one person's depiction of of a time, and during this time, everyone was racist. Like 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 everyone was like this. Like that's just the truth that's that's the like the realisticness of the situation right um there's plenty of movies that depict native americans in a very positive light mm. uh there's very there's literature that do it um i mean this typical scenario is just the story he wanted to tell i don't think that it should have had more native americans like fighting back because that's not really what the the story was about right like it wasn't about that but i i think for the story he was trying to tell um i disagree with you okay that's fair yeah. uh kyle then i'll say something i disagree with you about <laughs> uh you you think it's a little too long i kind of i appreciate the runtime on it i think that it works for the vibe uh the the aesthetic that he's going for what are what are some things that you would have maybe cut out or lessened um in a in a certain way i think that the movie did a good job like ramping up the tension as they were traveling and i think uh, the music played a huge part in that too i'll get to the the cuts but i'm just gonna lead into it um I think the music is really good in this film, really good, really eerie, really tense, and it slowly builds as the movie's uh, tension builds, and then they get to the spot, and the movie starts ramping up hard, and then it kind of takes a back step again afterwards and takes the perspective of um, O'Dwyer's journey back to the camp, and that's like a good 30-minute chunk. And I think that that's where the movie kind of fell apart a little bit for me. Okay. Was that it was ramping up so beautifully and it was a, it crescendoed into this awesome action, uh, very tense set piece. And then it kind of just lost all of its steam by, by switching back to, to the perspective of O'Dwyer traveling back to the camp only to like ramp up again. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel like that if they kind of just, transition that all together and just ended with the crescendo and the escape and all that i think it would have played out a little better to me but that was really the only detractor of the film personally i like i I think that most of it was pretty much pretty great it it was pretty great so it so just kind of what you're saying is like if once we get to them in the the jail cells in the cave we can, we just keep getting that ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, and then when all hope seems lost, we have the comes de, the Deus Ex Machina moment of him. Yeah. Okay. You know, I I would actually agree with that. I I think that that kind of would have made the tension a lot higher. Yeah. I'm kind of under the notion that like 
all westerns are super long <laughs> so it really didn't bother me like whatsoever like i i just it most westerns are pretty long so it the the runtime i had no problem with yeah it wasn't the runtime so much it was just like it was how they used the runtime exactly gotcha. yeah yeah and i i i think that's totally fair um first of all I think we just need to talk about Kurt Russell. This man has been in more modern westerns than I think anyone. Zaddy Russell. Um, so he was uh he was filming this right uh like literally weeks before he started filming The Hateful Eight. And he uh he was quoted as saying that this film was kind of a, a halfway house for the character whose name I'm forgetting in the Hateful Eight. Um shit uh anyways uh i think i know the answer john to the question. hangman ruth yeah that's such a badass name uh how, how do you guys because for a movie that's a 1.8 million dollar budget oh and i also should have noted that uh kurt russell before even being a part of this movie uh he read wraiths of a broken land and he sent uh Zoller like this huge ass review about it so that on if I had my book next to me I'd show you but on the back of it there's a huge pull quote from Kurt Russell um how do you feel about someone of Kurt Russell's stature being in such like a dirty nasty film like this and I mean I mean dirty nasty in like positive fun horror ways yeah, he's not in too many, like... Horror movies, right? It, it's kind of like 50-50 to say he's not in a lot of horror movies because he's in The Thing, he's in Death Proof, you know, some, some other stuff. But um, overall, yeah, I would say he's not a huge horror icon actor, I guess. I th I th that, that's fair. But he, he is... You can throw him in anything. I, I'm not, I love Kurt Russell. Him, if you can get him in a film, it's gonna be a good film. Like, I, he doesn't miss. I don't think he. I don't think he misses. Kurt Russell's amazing. I love Kurt Russell. He's in some of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, my first experience of Kurt Russell was Overboard. And oh, with uh, Goldie Hawn. With Goldie Hawn, and yeah. I fucking love that movie. I used to watch it all the time as a kid. Uh, and then, of course, Escape from L.A., the better Escape movie. Um, but there's things like Sky High. I was gonna say oh. my first one was Sky High. Sky yeah. High is amazing. Sky High is amazing. He has so much range, mm -hmm. and when he's in something, it's he he steals it every time. And there's something about him, uh, that's just so confident in his ability to to carry his role that he never phones anything in. Like he's he's who he is in every film he's in and it's just it's captivating to watch him work and i just fucking love him so much and he's just such a badass and i want his babies what oh, what no oh, what did you he what did you just roll he's in what did you I say? totally agree um but yeah no kurt russell being in the movie was one of my main draws to want to see this outside of the context of it just being a like a western which i'm really into but yeah i mean and then just 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 to piggyback off that and have such an amazing supporting cast in this film mm -hmm. it's fucking insane actually it's it's 
it was such a like beautiful surprise to see all these faces start popping up. And I'm like, holy shit, what? Why have I not seen this movie for like way, way prior to this? Um, yeah, but no, love Kurt Russell. Um, oh fuck. Okay, so uh, one of the <laughs> I said I'm gonna go ahead in with my questions like I have any. Thing fucking written down. Um, <laughs> I just noticed that uh, <laughs> you didn't have to tell them. You know, uh, one of the criticisms, one of the other criticisms that Zoller gets frequently is about how he tries to stylistically um, match Tarantino, and a lot of people say that in re- in in referring to the graphic nature of his films and how there's not a lot of graphic things happening but when they do they're ultra realistic ultra over the top but i think that zoller really tries to uh copy tarantino's writing i was curious Ooh. as to if you guys were kind of uh taken aback by cuz some of the line delivery is very clunky and i think that that's kind of indicative of him being a first time director. Um, So what I like about this movie is it does take place in the old West in the the wild West. um, But it, and it's the dialogue. Most of it is that old timey, like Western talk, but it also has like moments of dialogue where it's, they're just being like real people for, for a moment, kind of like in Tarantino movies where they're just, Mm -hmm. You know, like one one guy got jealous of uh, or no, I wasn't jealous, but uh, the joke about um, him being intelligent and him uh, not having a wife or only intelligent people don't get married. Like that's that's a good stuff. Like that's a great moment to really bring the characters together and like give little, you know, little character moments. So I think the writing is is the most similar, if anything. I didn't I didn't put that together. But I didn't really have to because I thought the writing was really good. That's all I was focusing on. I think that every character is written with being able to explain the kind of person they are without knowing their backstory, um, which I think is super important when you're making a movie about something that doesn't have like a lot of context. It's just a straightforward kind of story. Um, you kind of know who everybody is without being like having it spelled out for you. Um, and yeah, to Ian's point, I think that uh, there was a lot of, for a time period piece, it's, it's, it's important to have dialogue that connects with modern audiences and jokes that land with modern audiences. And I think he did a good job at that. Um, can we talk about the characters? Because I just want to talk about the characters now. Yeah, can I just tell you my favorite Kurt Russell line real quick? Oh, I hope it's mine. Uh, Ask about horses again and I'll slap your red. <laughs> That's a good one. Can I say mine just while we're yes, on it? Please, yeah. Mine's not funny. It's just fucking epic and it's Kurt Russell. Mine is at the end when he's dying and he says, say, say goodbye to my wife and I'll say hello to yours. Oh my God. I fucking Tears. love that line, dude. That line is fucking gold, dude. Damn, Cinematic God. gold, dude. I fucking love it. Damn. Yeah. That's a good one. It gives me chills. Yeah, dude, he's dying. Say goodbye to my wife, then I'll say hello to yours. Because he he talks about his, you know, he's the old man's given, you know, his his flowers. He was on his uh, wife's grave the whole movie and talking about his wife the whole movie. And yeah, oh, let, it's let, so good. 
let, let's get into characters. And there, there's two specifically I, I want to bring up, but we can this can be a general conversation about characters. Um, I like how David Arquette's character, uh, Purvis, is kind of the catalyst to this whole event because he and Buddy uh, fucked with the, the sigils at the, the troglodyte camp. Then they ran away. And they were tailed by the people. So I like how I like that. But Chicory as Richard Jenkins as the comedic relief is I I I think between Chicory and Bruder, I think they, they are the two most well written, most rounded out characters. I think Chicory was supposed to be your anchor, right? Like he was the one that I mean he was my anchor. Like, he, he's the person I related to the most. Mm-hmm. He's the one I shared the most of my morals with. Um, I, I, I vibed with his, his sense of, like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, his loyalty, mm-hmm. um, his, his good natureness, his duty, his almost, like, um, childlike... Uh, just uh that's just the word i'm thinking of he skip skip me so my favorite <laughs> moment you. with him i blanked out for a second my favorite no, my favorite moment yeah. with him is actually um when I, I don't know what she is but there's a lady that comes into the bar she's like why didn't someone tell the mayor um, oh, the mayor's wife. Yeah. The mayor, mayor first, and he was like, uh, "Because I, I I was doing this, doing this, and just because I'm old and I forgot." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that line. <laughs> like he's he's a he's a comedic actor. I, I like him quite a bit. Um, but Matthew Fox, he's he's fantastic. He's a little oh. racist, but he's uh he's great. He's a great character overall. I think. I I think that where his character kind of falters only a little bit is his uh, his wanting to kill native americans is solely because they killed his whole family when he was 10 i think that that's kind of a little too uh, a little too easy i kind of wish that gotcha. there that there might have been a little bit more to it but that's that one scene where the only time we see him show emotion is when his horse gets almost mm-hmm. killed and he has to go over and he what is it? he he pats it on the side and he says like thank you for your service yeah and it's like oh my god that is the one thing that he had in his life that he truly cared about Sucks he had to ruin it by being racist like two yeah. seconds before that. But <laughs> yeah. really, really good moment, I, I think, as well. Um, yeah, what was, what was the one line that you put oh, in the yeah. chat? Wait, it's, hold on, hold on. How How was he racist before that? Uh, he said something about his horse wouldn't allow oh, a Mexican no, a slur. Yeah. yeah, He threw a slur. Yeah, yeah a Mexican gotcha. arm. Gotcha. Um, but the thing he says it's when he shoots the two like bandits and he's like uh what's his face chicory says he was wearing a crucifix and then john says then jesus should have helped him <laughs> like that's such a 
I'm I'm book smart guy kind of line. You know? He's a realist. <laughs> yeah. In his eyes, right? Like yeah. in his eyes, like things are black and white. There's no mm-hmm. he he doesn't leave anything to chance. He doesn't leave anything to speculation. He doesn't mm-hmm. believe in a what ifs. It's just it's it's either real or it's not real. Yeah. He needs to see the proof. And what were you gonna say about David Arquette? Yeah, about David Arquette. I probably noticed it before, but I totally forgot up up until Kyle brought it up uh yesterday his teeth and now (laughs) that's something i probably will never forget about this movie um they like why are you looking at me like that kyle you know you know what i'm talking about i'm just i'm listening for once in my life i'm actually listening to you go ahead (laughs) that's what it looks like um he had like some fucking gross ass teeth for one take and then he comes back and it's just normal again um it was pretty funny. Maybe, and the picture you him. took of him, like, why'd you take that angle up <laughs> on the TV? It looks so His fucking face cute. looks so... Dude, and the hat was not doing him any favors. Like, yeah. his hat looks so tiny, or his face looks so tiny in the giant <laughs> hat. It was so funny, dude. But yeah, no, I don't know how they passed that. Like, like how that... Like, literally a turning of the camera. Like, it was... I was like, uh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll let it slide. Yeah. Yeah, if you uh, didn't point it out, like it's just something you notice in a movie and then you just forget about because it's in the beginning and it's not really that important. But I noticed it, it's very instantly. noticeable. Yeah, it's instantly. Very I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. uh, let's uh, I, I I'm kind of messed up time wise because I had uh, that slip up at the beginning. We're at like 45, right? Uh, 53. Oh, no, uh, um, we're, yeah, we're probably like 46. Okay. Ish. Okay. Um, so then let's, uh, let's wrap this up by talking about the, the kills and the, uh, designs of the troglodytes. Cause we would be remiss not to bring them up. The design really cool, pretty unique having the, whatever the, they the, have the, the, in their trachea whistle thing. Yeah. The like implant in their throats for that to be their communication. Um, pretty cool. And I like how the first dude, the the um, guy from the town, he's like, yeah, they just don't have a name because they just don't speak a language. That that was uh, some really cool, uh, like haunting insight mm-hmm. of what they're about to like, you know, get their hands on. And Did then the shot- fucking, you know, childish innocence that's what i was gonna say about richard oh. jenkins when he's talking about the flea circus and he just wants to believe oh that he's got that sense scene. of childish innocence and we all just want to believe that santa's real right we all want to believe that there's a god in the sky you know that's going to protect us from burn rotting and burning in a fiery depths of hell we all want that right childish innocence he that's why he was my anchor but the native americans <laughs> in this film um they the design was super creepy um because just just their faces almost looked like faceless with black eyes and like they just had a very like um menacing look to them i think the scariest part about them though was just their sense of like being silent Mm -hmm. when they like they didn't really convey any kind of emotion when they were killing when they were fighting they didn't show fear they didn't show anger really they just did their thing uh that was probably the uh the craziest thing about them um but the kills were also very very cool in my opinion sorry i, I uh i think i skipped a question no mm-hmm. it was it was a uh, okay. kills cool. and design yeah so the yeah, kills it, were very very cool um 
You guys I was wondering what room? he was what he was taking out of his neck. Uh, and, then, oh, yeah. and then as soon as he did the whistle thing, I was like, oh, that's why their voice is in. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Um, I love after he puts it in his mouth, he tries to give Samantha a kiss. And she's like, she's like, can uh, you not? No, like, thanks, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I thought it was all really convincing. Aside from the uh, the clear doll that they used when he was carving out the, the thing out of the neck. Like, oh, you can yeah. see the head like. <laughs> like flopping around like aside from that one part like everything was very convincing and uh i love all the practicals so yeah. unexpected gore the amount of like decapitations and mm. gore and gross effects are crazy like the last 20 minutes of this film is a straight horror film and that's what i love about this movie totally Brennan, what do you what do you think about the kills uh I I think the the kills were great, but I think what might be even better are the two people that they didn't kill, and it's the the two pregnant, armless, legless, eyes gouged out women, and that that shot is the I would say the most horrific shot in this movie. Just seeing them lay there, barely breathing. And they just walk. Patrick, Patrick Wilson, Samantha, and uh, uh, Chicory just walk past them, and they're like, I-, "I guess we should just keep going." They're just being used to to bread more. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have a favorite kill or breed more? Um, I like the scalp kill, mm-hmm. and then he shoves the hair in the mouth, and then like, yeah. like that 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 was gnarly as fuck. I. I literally was like, holy shit, like out loud. And Dom was like, what are you watching? And she came in right in that scene. I was like, yo. I was like, yo, look at this. So, so she um, saw him get hacked in half from his asshole then? Oh, that too. Yeah, yeah. She saw that. Yeah, yeah she, she saw those two things, but she wasn't watching the movie. But um, she saw him getting hacked up and she was like, Jesus. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, those two kills were pretty fucking Well, I guess it was the same kill, right? Yes. very cool yeah he was still alive when he was getting his asshole his gooch <laughs> chopped up yeah um i i really just like the the gore and like the decapitations those weapons that they use just look like cool. regular bones but they were slicing everything like any any piece of skin that got mm-hmm. like hit by these things were gone yeah, you could tell how sharp they were when he rubs it over Kurt Russell's stomach, and it, yeah. he's like barely yeah. rubbing it and over. It, it's just yeah. tearing his flesh up, yeah. like tearing it up. God, and then putting that burning uh, flask in his stomach, and then he stands up and he has like a gun wound and the flask up, and he's just like, yeah. God, and badass Broken. Kurt Russell still takes this fool out by chopping <laughs> his fucking head off. It's so good. Uh, and like, uh, he's give me the repeater. Give some yeah. repeater. Oh, so good. Should, should, should we just transition to, to the ending, which is uh, when they're walking away and you hear the gunshots going off and you're like, fuck, yeah, he took the rest of them out. It's mm-hmm. so cool. And then I love the last shot, actually, of the rock as like like symbolism yes. of like Hunt being able to find his way home. Mm-hmm. Like it's so it's so cool. I think, honestly, that would make a great poster for this movie. Yeah. The rock. Yeah, just a rock. There's like one Dwayne the Rock Johnson or Dwayne the Rock Johnson. They can get him. No, they can't afford him. Um, No, I like the shot when um, 
uh, Patrick Wilson, he's in the crutches and he's in the wash and he's just like kind of asleep. And it's just like the the cameras on the ground and he's like in the foreground. It's just great looking shot. He has most of the amazing looking shots in this film. Is, There's a lot of great shots in this film. Yeah. Is, is that the shot where they leave him because they have to operate on his leg? Um, it's, it's, they left him. It's way after yeah, it's it's past that. He's like coming back to rescue them, and he's like kind of just broken at this point, and I, he's just I, taking a rest. I really like that little misdirection that they give, where mm-hmm. uh, they're like, "We have to cut your leg off," and he's like, "To hell you will! You're gonna set my leg." And there is that shot of the far shot where the bush is covering his leg after they all leave, and you're kind of sitting there like, "Wait, do they actually just amputate his leg?" <laughs> And then like 20 minutes later, kind of going back to Kyle, the, the part that you weren't that you thought could have maybe been cut out. I do like how we get that. OK, they didn't cut his leg off. They just they just set his bone. I thought that was some fun misdirection. Hell yeah. So. All right. So uh, anything else before we get into final thoughts? All right. Nor. So before we get into our final thoughts, we are going to take a quick break. Please enjoy a word from some of the other shows on the Room Nations radio network. And we're back. What a wonderful thick piss break. I feel relieved. I hope you all do too. And uh, Ian, your elbows bend in really far. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that makes like, me they, like this is straight. That, and they bend that, down. I'll tell fucking, you, that's not straight. Fucking bone tomahawk right there. You know what I'm <laughs> no, I've always been <laughs> criticized for my... Like elbows that bend farther than they should. Even like um, raising my hands, teachers would be like, put put your arm normal. <laughs> Just we're gonna, we're gonna give you a flag to raise for next time. Uh so um Ian, we'll start with you. Final thoughts, rating. I like the movie. I like the acting. The acting is what carries this film um there's a lot of good ideas there's a lot of um good writing just an overall a really well made movie and um a little it i don't know it kind of feels like a hidden gem you know i don't i don't really see a lot of people talking about this movie um but i'm gonna give it a four stars with a heart four and a heart okay kyle i mean this is an easy four stars and a heart right like i don't think it should be any less in my opinion um stacked cast amazing performances obviously with who with the talent they got it's a great blending of genres i love that if someone's really into westerns and they want to feel a little risky they could watch this film but also a horror fan like ourselves and our audiences can go into this and get what they're looking for as well it's it's just it's a hidden gem and uh i'm surprised i haven't seen it earlier it's going to be in rotation in my Kurt Russell viewings for sure. Um, yeah, four stars and a heart. Easy. Uh, it would be redundant for me to just mirror everything you guys said because I, I, I think that we all very much enjoy this film. Uh, so to save us some time, I'm also going to say a four with a heart, which gives us a four with a heart. And I think it's well deserved. This movie uh, is is a, is a special one. But now it is time 
for the world's greatest podcast game show. It's what's, 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 what's in the box. I shouldn't have done that upward inflection. No, I like it. I like it. It is a show where my co-hosts will have to guess the star rating of a letterbox. The the star letterboxed rating after reading the description of the film. And they will get one point if they get it correct within 0.3 points. And two if they get it on the dot. We will then go to the decade. They get the decade right. Then they get to guess the year for another point. Uh, as usual, there is a theme with my movies, but because it is such an overt theme, uh, you will not get an extra point if you get it, because it's a it's a pretty dumb theme. Um, are we ready for number one? See whatever. I love you, boys. See whatever. <laughs> Tagline: Fear comes home. Parapsychologist Elise Rayner and her team travel to Five Keys NM. Is that New Mexico? Yeah. To Five Keys, New Mexico, to investigate a man a man's claim of a haunting. Terror soon strikes when Rayner realizes that the house he lives in was her family's old home. Oh man, I, f- I think I know this one. Can I get the decade, please? <laughs> <laughs> 1920. Can I, the, can I get the genre, please? Genre, genre. Horror, mystery, thriller. Mm. Okay. Mm. Just as I suspected. expected. <laughs> this, I think this movie is Jezebel. I think it, no, that doesn't play, take place in New Mexico. Oh, man, I wish I screen captured that. Face it, Ian froze on. That was like, fucking awesome. I'm gonna go three point one. I'm gonna go two point nine. A three point one for the K dog and a two point four for the Krispy Creamer. Two point nine. Uh, you are both incorrect. It is a two point four. Oh, guess guess the decade. Um, I mean, this is easy, right? 2000s. 2010s. Ian, you said 2000, Kyle, 2010s? Yep. Yep. Kyle, you get a point. Oh, baby. Guess the decade. Or guess, guess the 2010s, year. 2010s, baby. Let's get that second point. <laughs> uh, guess the year, right? Yeah. <laughs> 2014. It is 2018's Insidious, The Last Key. Oh. Directed by Adam Robitaille. Mm. That was my next guess. Number. I forgot about that movie. I still haven't seen it. I need to see it before the new one. Um, yeah, me too. I got to see that in the fucking Insidious 3 and Insidious fucking. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Insidious um, 5. Insidious. That was Insidious 3, I think. 4. Uh, last Key is 4. 4? Really? Yeah, yeah there's. The frick is there's the five third of them. one? Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. Or it is just chapter 3. Um, number two tagline this is how you die a twisted new tale of terror begins for a teenage girl and her family revealing more mystery mysteries of the otherworldly realm the further could i get the sentence again please a twisted new tale of terror begins for a teenage girl and her family in revealing more mysteries of the otherworldly realm the further. 
it was an easy three point three three one three point oh zero. <laughs> okay. Three point two. So Ian, you're sticking with three point zero. Yeah. Kyle, three point two. <laughs> you are both incorrect. Guess the decade. I mean, this is an easy one, right? Yeah. 2010s. And 90s. <laughs> uh, gonna go... I'm gonna go 2010s. 2010s? Yeah. I'm gonna go... 2020s, maybe. 80s. Oh, that's a good guess, too. Ian with the 80s, Kyle with the 2010s. Yeah, I'm going 2010s again. Kyle, you get another point. Guess the year. Printed no big eighties. Get out of here. Yeah, fuck you. Um, two thousand seventeen. Good year. Great year. It is two thousand and fifteen's Insidious Chapter Three, directed by Lee. Okay. I see the theme. I see the theme now. <laughs> okay. We can wrap this up. I see what's going. Number three. Are you ready? Uh, see whatever sure <laughs> tagline it will take what you love most the haunted lambert family seeks to uncover okay. the mysterious childhood secret <clears throat> that has left them dangerously connected to the spirit world you want another genre 2.7 no <laughs> uh this is three point two you both get a point. It is at a 2.9. Wow. wow. Guess the decade. 2010s. Sure about that? You sure about that? <laughs> um, I feel like he's trying to throw us off. 2010s. It is the 2010s. Guess the year. 2013. I'm going to go 2014. Ian gets a point. It is 2013's Insidious Chapter 2, directed by James Wan. Are we ready for the final one? Uh, three points. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even need the fucking description. Uh, go ahead. Three. Tagline. It's not the house that's haunted. A family discovers that dark spirits have invaded their home after their son inexplicably falls into an endless sleep. When they reach out to a professional for help, they learn things are a lot more personal than they thought. Three point two. Who won? Three point two, three point one. You guys both get a point. And one of you gets two points because it is a 3.2. Guess the decade. 2000s. 2010s, baby. <laughs> is it 2010? I thought it was 2009. I'll still go 2000s. Oh, whatever. Oh, it hurts me to say this. Ian gets a point. And, hey! and it puts him. It is the year 2010. And it puts him in the lead. It is 2010's Insidious, directed by James Wan. Uh, can you guys guess the theme? Mm. All films. Oh, man, fuck. Hey, hold on. If I, if I guess no. the theme, can I? Uh... He said there's Actually, no points. He said there's if, no points. If you, if you can guess what the actual theme that I wanted to have for this is. Sure, yeah. I will tie it. And I have one. I have one that can uh, that break the tie. 
Cool. Can I get that guess now? Are you ready? Yeah. All films starring Patrick Wilson. So close. All films starring Lynn Shay. Oh, gosh darn it. So that puts year to date at Kyle, six, Brendan, eight, Ian, eight. It is now tied, Brendan and Ian. Well, I feel good about that one. Fuck you, Kyle. With that being said, (laughs) this has been another episode of Ruminations of Red Rum. The 16 major veins in the neck of the Ruminations oh, Radio Network. Yeah, call That's that. a good one. It's a wraparound right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like what we're doing here, uh, be sure to follow us over on the Twitter. That's of Red Rum, OF Red Rum. And you know that the OF stands for OnlyFans. Ian does the elbow thing on there. It's uh, You got to pay five bucks a month for that, but it's pretty cool. Like it's um, an obtuse angle. But it from is. the other side. It's from, from the other side. <laughs> from the further. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> from the further angle. Uh, also, be sure to uh, give us a rating. If you could, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, be sure to go over and check out the website, ruminationsradio.transistor.fm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, also, if you want to recommend something, uh, join our Discord. Uh, shout out to the all the new people that I've joined. We've really been enjoying uh, conversating with you, uh, and we appreciate you listening. And if you're one of the listeners in over the 30 countries that listen to us, hello. Thank you. Uh, that being said, I have been your host, Brendan, Mr. Fantastic. And with us, as always, is the specter of the Ruminations Radio Network, the ghost boy, the Danny Phantom. It's Ian with two E's. The character that um, Michael plays in this movie was Chicory. That's the nicest thing you've ever said about Michael. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I would say he's Bruder, but... Um, <laughs> uh, he's not that also, good looking, though. True. Um, and also, it's the most charismatic man I know the slick black Cadillac. He writes with the number two pencil and he's number one in all of our hearts. It's guy with the gay. I caught that pencil. Um, I'm just glad that I was able to finally update my Westerns ranked list on Letterboxd and put this Bone Tomahawk movie over the fucking mid Sam Raimi Western that everybody loves so much. Fuck Quick and the Dead. Hail Ratma and stay spooky folks.